0: Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore his passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Hey guys. Everybody doing okay? Either either the rapture happened or three fourths of the church cares about good weather than coming to church. And the Saints game. I'm seeing all, all these idols in everyone's life. We're going to judge them. I'm totally kidding. Um, if you're new, I'm totally joking about uh, judging people. But I just thought, hey, with this group we have today, let's just prophesy a bunch at the end of service. We'll just have a whole bunch of fun. It'll be, b- be great. Um, at the end, we'll, we'll do some healing stuff and some prophetic ministry time as well. Um, but you're here, and the hungry get fed. And so we're just going to have a fun family Sunday. Um, can't overemphasize it enough. Q is an awesome thing. Uh, me and the deans actually went last year to the main conference in Nashville. And it is awesome. Um, one of the main things that I pull from it is that um, Christians having very thoughtful conversations about the dynamics that are facing Christians in the world today. And uh, they, they dialogue on a lot of those things. So really excited about that. Um, that's my little child there in the front crying. She's so amazing. Stacy should be back in any second. <laughs> she's looking at daddy like, Why don't you come grab me? Why don't you come give me? Um Yeah, and then Harvest Festival, that's gonna be a good time too. Stacey she's up she's she's gonna need you. She's looking at me with the eyeballs. We we have four kids. And so we're, we have kids everywhere. And we're, look at this, Family Sunday. We're just we're breaking all the... <laughs> I promise we care about what we're doing and try to make this uh fluid as possible. Awesome. Um, yeah, so thanks for being here. My name's Landon Snow. If I don't know everyone in the room, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm so glad that you guys are here. We're going to have a fun night. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll just jump right in so we can do ministry stuff then. I do have something on my heart that I want to share. We, we have a school of ministry um, that we do on Monday nights here, Cedar House School of Ministry. And uh, there's 12 of us going through it this year, and it's really awesome. We just really go deep into the things of God, more about the nature of God and his goodness and exploring what that looks like with each other. and and to God. And we we go really deep. It's three and a half hours on a Monday night. And we typically worship for about 30 minutes and then just do a lot of dialogue and teaching. But um, on Monday night, I felt like I was just a little stirring in my heart that was a little bit different. And I felt like we were supposed to... um, The word that actually came to my, my mind was to flirt with God. And I don't mean that in a lack of reverence with God, but God is referred to as our lover Uh, he is our, we're, we're engaged to him. And so one of the things I felt was that we should just shower affirmation on him and let him know things that we think about him. And so we just all sat in the room and kind of popcorned it around in the sense of one person would say, God, thank you for your kindness. And one person would say, thank you for your gentleness, your faithfulness, and thank you for the Bible, and thank you for Jesus. And all those kind of things. And it was just a really beautiful time. And the presence of God was definitely very thick. And I could feel like God was blushing. And um, (laughs) Kathy Rath said, she said, Lord, thank you for long suffering. And it hit me so hard when she said that word. It was like it came out of her. And it just hit me so incredibly hard. I I could already feel God's presence. And it, it just it was, I don't know how else to describe it, it was like the word came out of her and just, bam, it just hit me so hard and I could feel like God was very much prompting me about the subject of long suffering and I've been in constant dialogue with God, constant thought with God and I felt like it was the word that I've been looking for for just some of my process that I've been in with God and I've read the Bible through and through many times, probably read the New Testament 50 times, And so I've obviously seen that word in there, and something about it was just very different. And so I begin to just do some research on it, and it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. So in the middle of these nine fruits, there's this really unique word that pops out in the middle of it that's called long-suffering. And I've just been in dialogue with God about it for this week, and I just want to share with you my current views on long-suffering and what I feel like God has been sharing with me in the context of long-suffering. And hopefully, you guys can leave with some nuggets that would really help you. So I'm going to base this off of Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26. Now, before I do that, two of the translations of the word long-suffering is forbearance and patience. And depending on what translation that you use, it'll say forbearance or it'll say patience God spoke to me as though it was long-suffering, so I'm going to read it out of the English Standard Version as though it's long-suffering. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, this is a good amount of Scripture here, and it's just really, really good. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. Not good stuff. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I won't say but, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another along. So the way that this word breaks down is actually has two derived meanings. One is to bear up under, um, bear up under weight, to bear up under a promise, to bear up under um, something that God has told you about. And the other context of it is very similar to the original language when God said that he's slow to anger slow to anger with people. It's loving people, bearing other people's burdens through kindness. This is the two parallels that we're going to break down. Amen? Okay, I'm going to pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Um, Jesus, we are so thankful for the Bible. We would be so lost without your word. We just thank you for giving us this gift of your scripture. God, I just pray that there be a shift in our hearts today shift in our hearts today about this understanding of long-suffering, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And I've titled this message, The Beauty of Long-Suffering. Okay, how many of you enjoy guidelines and protocol? Okay, how many of you don't like that stuff, and you feel like it really constricts you, and you're more of like free-spirited, don't tell me what to do? Okay, so uh, you'll feel my pain here in a second when I tell this story. So, Stacy and I have an incredible amount of things in common. We have, in my opinion, we have a very successful marriage. And part of that is that we have a lot of the same perspectives and views about life just in general. There's not, we don't have big overarching themes in our life that we disagree on. Same theology, same pursuit of God, same relationship skills. We pursue the same things in our life which eliminates a lot lot of frustrations and arguments and those kind of things. But one thing that we do not see eye to eye on is following guidelines and protocols. So that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. So let me explain. So when I walk into an establishment of any kind where things are neat and orderly and there's a system and there's a process in place, my thought process is, man, there's probably really good leadership here and they're maximizing efficiency. And um, this is better for the people to fall in line and follow the guidelines. There's, this is the right way to do it. That, that's my perspective. Um, my wife's perspective is a little bit different than that. Um, if you try to put a rule on her that doesn't make sense to her, it kind of turns into like a UFC cage fight. <laughs> now, none of y'all will probably ever see that. But behind closed doors, it is literally like a UFC cage fight. In my house, if I try to put a protocol in place that she doesn't like, I'm I'm kind of kidding, but but I'm not. She just does not like to be told what to do if it doesn't make sense. Basically, if it's not in the Ten Commandments, she's just like, just leave me alone. Me and God will figure it out. She, she didn't even grow up a Christian. Somehow, we we got. To, I grew up a very strong Christian. We, we got together. Somehow that she had this conviction of we're going to tithe and we're going to go to church. I don't know how God got those in, but those are basically the two protocols that she has and the Ten Commandments. So, and, and like I said, that manifests in a lot of different ways. So Stacey and I started dating. Um, we were 20 years old and we were so in love. It was like the notebook or Titanic type love. It was just I couldn't spend a moment away from her I was just infatuated with her. I didn't want to spend another day without her in my life. And and about three months in, I realized that um, that was only one-sided. That was all in my head. Uh, She had a different set of ideas in her head, so needless to say, we broke up. So we broke up for over two years, and then about two years later, she came to her senses and crawling back... (laughs) and wanted to be with me, as I knew what happened the entire time. Uh, it was a treacherous two years, more, more stories to come. But, um, so she's from Seattle, and I'm from Baton Rouge. And so she grew up where loving nature. So in Washington, there's like waterfalls and rivers and streams and fruit and vegetables and just this vibrant sea of life. That is just flowing all the time, like water like creeks and like random places where you can like see your hand three feet into it, that type of thing and so she just grew up loving that lifestyle it 's kind of like what you would call like kind of a hippie kind of thing it 's not at all, but that 's the way people in South Louisiana would look at it those hippies up there doing all that organic nature trail stuff. So she grew up like that, and again, born and raised in Baton Rouge, my experience was like just slightly different, Um, not as many mountains or waterfalls or rivers or streams or anything like that, but I love False River, and I live very close to Bayou Manchac, somewhat comparable, amen? (laughs) (laughs) Got to think positive. And so uh, it was one of our first dates, and I thought, okay, where am I going to take her? She loves nature am I going to take her and I went all out and I took her to the Breck Park in Shenandoah <laughs> how many of you know what I'm talking about the Breck Park in Shenandoah and swept her off her feet there's a bridge back there there is like some type of creek if it rained enough the night before <laughs> something like that um, there's beautiful tennis courts there um, all of that stuff so that, that's the best that I could do so we're, uh, we're, we're walking back there, and Stacy, there's like all these rows of houses on the left as we're walking through the trail, and she sees a satsuma tree with a fence around it, like someone's backyard. Okay, so me, I'm thinking, someone put a fence there, and their, their tree is on this side of the fence, which means they had a thought process in mind that I don't want people coming from the park <laughs> into my backyard to get my satsumas trees. Does that make sense to half the crowd? Mm-hmm. Stacy sees the satsuma tree and under with no hesitation decides, I'm going to go hop the fence in those people's backyard and just grab a couple satsumas and come back. <laughs> so she just goes off, 23, trying to woo her. 23 goes off, gets a couple satsumas and comes back and my jaw is on the floor. I'm thinking... You are breaking, entering, and stealing. And she's like, no, this is what you do. Like, the f- fruit is there for everyone. This is, like, she grew up where you just kind of share fruit like that. And I'm thinking, you've, you've lost your mind. People in Baton Rouge don't do that. You will get shot. Do not go into someone's backyard like that. This is illegal. And as your protector, do not do that. Now... What does that have to do with anything of the fruit of the Spirit? Nothing. Um, I just needed a funny story to something with fruit. I'm, I'm totally kidding. No, she, she, she honestly grew up. This is 100% true. We would stop places. I'd visit her family in Seattle, and they would see fruit, and they would just stop and go get it. Like, I'm not, there's not, you just pick fruit all the time. It's just, it's very, it's growing all the time. And so you just go do that. And she was raised like, well, if there's fruit, you just go get more fruit. Like if it's available, you just go get more fruit. And it's very similar with our relationship with God. He he's given us nine it's actually it's actually one fruit in the original language, just funny side note. It's actually just the fruit of the spirit. It's one, but it's uh to digest it, it's broken down into nine, which is really cool. But God has given us these fruits that manifest on our lives when we're near Him, when we're walking by the Spirit. Cool thing about walking in his kingdom, as things don't come through striving, they come through surrender. So plants aren't striving to have fruit. They trust the process. They trust seasons, and they're not sweating to get it out. They're just trusting what's happening. And for you and I, as we surrender to God and yield to his spirit, we're supposed to have these things manifesting in our lives. Now, there are two um, lies that the enemy gets into our mind about suffering. One is that suffering is from God. Um, there's the very, very common lie in in my opinion in theology today that God would give someone sickness to teach them a lesson, or God would give someone some form of, um, cancer or something like that, that it would be a gift from God to teach us a lesson. That's completely against the teachings of Jesus, and it's completely against the cross. Um, God doesn't give something to torment us and then give us the power to heal it. That's a kingdom divided. So obviously that's not true. And the second one is, in our context of today, is that the suffering of the gospel has to do with actually physical affliction, like suffering for sharing the gospel. And i want to take a second and not minimize that at all. There are people today on earth that are suffering for spreading the gospel. We should be funding them. We should be praying for them. I'm 100% for that. But in this context, it's not what he's talking about. So I'd like to introduce to you that the suffering of the gospel is not physical affliction. The suffering of the gospel is living from your current situation in between a promise that God has given you, and the whole time living with trust and praise. Make sure you get that. We're in a situation, we're here. God has promised us something here. And I'm long suffering as I'm trusting in this process to get what he's promised me. So let's talk about that. The first one is to bear up under something. All of us has, have promises from God. God has given us promises in his word. You've gotten prophetic words before. You have promises over your life. And they all haven't come true yet. And what long-suffering is, is I'm going to trust God with praise on my mouth, and I'm going to walk in to see that fulfilled. And I'm not going to blame Him, and I'm not going to change the subject. Because in my lifetime, I will see God's hand move in ways that He said He could move. Are you with me on not changing the subject? It takes no talent at all to get a promise from God. It takes no faith at all to get a a promise from God and give up after six months. It's really easy to do. But long-suffering is, I am bearing up under this promise. I'm bearing up under the weight, and I'm going to walk this out, and I'm going to see it fulfilled in my life. See, here's the thing. We we like things really fast. I I love my phone so much. Like... I absolutely love technology. I love where we're at right now in society and the increase of technology. I think it can do so much good for the world. But everything's fast, really fast. Like, we, we order something it's there the next day. We want something and just Google what it means. It's, we have more information, and the average American has more information in their phone than the president did 25 years ago. That's statistically true. Just think about that. And that's happened in 25 years. But where simple, just logically, what we get is we get real fast. We want things fast. And that's just not how the kingdom works. I give you an example. Mary, mother of Jesus, she gets a promise. Angel shows up, gets a promise. Really exciting time, I'm sure. I mean, what a moment, right? She has to wait 30 years bearing up under the burden of being a mother of an illegitimate child. And wondering, when is this going to start? <laughs> like, man, this promise was great. This has been, uh, I'm sure there was a, a lot of up and downs in her seasons to finally get to where Jesus turned water to wine and started his ministry. She bared up under something. The Bible says when those things happen, that Mary pondered them. She pondered them in her heart and she bared up under it and she stayed the path. She stayed consistent to the promise. Or Abraham, a very well-known story if you're a believer. Abraham was uh, promised that he'd be the father of nations. Most theologians believe he was about 75 years old. And around 100 is when he had his child. So 25 to 30 years waiting on a promise. And it said um, Abraham was unwavering in his faith. Like if God said it, it's going to happen. Do you know what, can you know what I'm talking about? The weight of a promise that you haven't seen fulfilled yet? You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, man, I, there's a longing in me to see it that I haven't seen yet, that thing. That's long-suffering. Long-suffering is not quitting. It's saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I want to see these things be fulfilled. In my own life, I have promises that in the natural, I think, they don't look possible. Like, say I have 50 more effective years. I'm shooting for 120, but it's just for practical sense to say 50 more factory. I'm thinking, how is all that going to happen in 50 years? But unwavering in the process and long suffering. Can I get an amen? If we can be people that grab promises or unwavering, six years in, nine years in, it doesn't matter. This is what God said. This is true. And I, I don't need another prayer meeting about it. I don't need confirmation about it. This is what God said, and I'm going to bear up under the weight and long suffer till I see it happen. There's something that gets built in you that's different than when it happens long. Can I get an amen? Okay, now if that's true for God, how do we show that for other people? You, a reflection of your relationship with God is always seen in how you love other people. So if you say, man, my relationship with God is great, and you're not loving other people, I would question that. You can always, what can be managed, what can be measured can be managed. And if you watch your love for people growing, typically your relationship with God's growing. And so making sure that we're always loving people in this context with God and then turning and loving people. So I'm going to read to you Romans 2, um, verse 1. Through five, and this is about um, the second way that we long suffer is to, through kindness and forbearance, walk out issues with people over difficult seasons. So I'm going to read this. Okay. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you will judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Okay, here we go. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance? So he's saying if you, if you want to judge someone, it's basically what Jesus said, the measure in which you judge will be judged. If you want to judge someone, it's going to come back at you and you're completely missing it because you're, you're not understanding that God's kindness is what is leading to repentance. In my mind, understanding this is a huge shift point in the Christian life. If you can understand that God's kindness is what leads to repentance. Repentance means to change the way you think. I'm not saying God can't use other ways. But apparently here, this is his number one method of changing how you think is through his kindness. Okay, so if you think that God is mad at you, you think that he's in a bad mood or you think that he has something negative for you, that's in opposition to this verse. Anger is short-term fix. People who don't understand their authority use anger to get a short-term fix. God fully understands his authority, and he uses kindness to get long-term fruit. God is not insecure. He doesn't need to yell at you to get something out of you. But when you, when you know you're wrong and you go to him ready to be justly judged and he gives you kindness, that changes how you think. That is a, there is a cavern in the Christian life that if you can walk that line, if, you, if, if in your thought life you get, Why, God is not mad at me. Why do I think he's mad at me? His kindness is what's helping me change the way I think. It is so easy to think God is using anger to get to me, and it's just not the case okay so if he's that way, then we should be that way for other people so if you're going through a difficult situation with someone and anger is your response, you need to check that at the door okay some of you have some of you have been praying for an issue with your broken marriage for maybe 15 years and you're not giving up on it and you're keeping, keeping the path, that's long-suffering. Some of you may have a wayward child who's been 20 years away from God and you're gonna, you won't close the door on them. They're always welcome back to Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's long-suffering. I'm, I'm justified that I should judge you and get angry, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show the kindness of God. I have situations in my life that I, I can't fix, and I know that only time and long-suffering will fix them with relationships that I have. And here it is. I'm not giving up, and I'm not going to fix it. I'm just going to trust God and be available and long-suffered till the situation comes through. Are you with me? That's just a really good word for me. Uh, a good way to look at this is to bear each other's burdens, is the way Paul put it. I, I am going to walk through a bad situation with someone and just help you bear your burdens. And it's going to really be painful for me and you, but I, I'm going to long suffer with you. And what gets built in you through that time is tremendous. You guys, with me? Here's the thing: I need people that will long suffer for me, and you and you need that too. Uh, We hide things from each other when things are really going wrong in our internal world because we're scared people won't long suffer. We don't say that, but it's true. I'm nervous if my true colors come out; people won't want to long suffer with me. That's it's a cheap form of relationship. And so I'm looking for people to long-suffer, and I'm asking people to long-suffer with me. Are you with me? All right. The reason why I say this is the beauty of long-suffering is this is a fruit of the Spirit. Like anything that we have in our minds that this is heavy and doesn't feel right, we need to shift how we think to think this is a fruit of God. When I'm walking by the Spirit, long-suffering comes out of me. The ability to be patient and forbear with people naturally comes out of me. All right, I'm going to close with this. God has done a lot for us. And so I don't want us to be like, well, I'm long-suffering and I deserve something or wear it as a badge of honor. The very least we could do is we can wait 15 years for a promise. He's done a lot. Are you with me? I'm not saying, like, we're really righteous people because we want to long-suffer. He, he's, he's worth a lot. And if, if it takes 40 years for a promise, it just takes 40 years for a promise. I can be patient and wait for that. <sighs> I'm the goodness of God guy, and I just taught on long-suffering. <laughs> and it felt good. It felt good to do that. Now this, this is my final closing comments. Anyone can burn for a season. But if you want to burn for Jesus for 50 years or a lifetime, you have to fall in love with long-suffering. My relationship with God is not a mountaintop experience, but it's really deep. I I trust him when no one's looking to the best of my ability. You can trust him to the best of your ability. And if we can't get this fruit, it'll always be the youth camp that gets us excited and then we go wayward. But if we can learn this fruit, it's daily and consistently over long periods of time burning with God. Anyone can burn for a season, but it, it takes long suffering to burn for a lifetime. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do you want to burn for a lifetime? So I, I would like to see the city of Baton Rouge completely transformed. And all of those statistical things that we're at the bottom of will be at the top of. And basically giving my life for that. And I know a lot of you are as well. And to see that transition... It's going to take a long time, but it will come from people who are burning for God. There's no other way. Good ideas will not bring the amount of transformation that we need in our lifetime. We need the presence of God and we need people burning, understanding God's plan. Okay, so I'm going to pray that we would understand that and then we're going to prophesy and do some stuff. God, I thank you so much Um, for how you do things. You do things the right way. Your design is correct. Your kingdom is correct. You you just do things well. God, I pray that you would give us a fresh perspective on long-suffering, patience, and forbearance. I pray that you would teach us how to walk with you over a lifetime and that you would teach us how to walk with others for a lifetime that we would be people that broken relationships don't exist because we'll long suffer for one another. I pray that you would give us a fresh revelation of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.